We ran session zero the other night and it was a rousing success. Everything went exactly as I was hoping for, if not exactly how I was anticipating. The end result was a positive one. We made the characters, at least we made the, the facets of the characters that I was looking to get at during session zero. Everyone was on board with all the crazy kooky ideas I had in terms of how to facilitate meeting each other for the first time. And I'm talking about the people, not the characters, as well as building out the characters in a more robust than what I hope is three-dimensional way that facilitates storytelling moving forward. This is the second audio journal for Anatomy of a Campaign, and this is the recap report for session zero. So what was entailed in session zero? A lot of this was covered in the last audio journal from Anatomy of a Campaign, but just to quickly recap, it had a number of elements on the agenda for the evening. It was a little anal retentive, but hey, what the heck, I haven't run a session zero in a while and I really wanted to get it down right, so I set up an agenda. The first thing was to do an icebreaker and what I did was I found questions from the interwebs, questions that were about what type of game you like to play and what you see as the role of the rules, the role of the DM, the role of the players, how you like to play alignment, what it is you like to go towards as a, as a player character. The kind of things that I think long-term friends really discuss and understand about each other. But when you're playing with new people for the first time, or you've got people who are together, or you haven't been playing together for so, so long, or you don't know each other outside of the game, I think it's a little tough to know the answers to these questions, and this just gets right at the heart of it. I thought these questions were a good way to introduce everybody to each other, especially those who had absolutely never gamed together. I learned a lot from asking these questions. In general, I think everyone's in the same overall wheelhouse. You want to have a good game, you want to have fun, but there are certain nuances around things like when should the rules come into play? What function does the DM serve in terms of being either an arbiter of just the rules or are they there to facilitate different things? And overall, everyone seemed to be of the philosophy that there was no clear-cut answer to this thing, that at different times, players and DMs should be doing things to help facilitate the fun. And there's no clear-cut answer on any one of those things being right in every given situation, which gave me a lot of heart because that's generally how I feel. Now, that doesn't mean we all see eye-to-eye -eye on every single topic, because of course we don't, but it at least gives us a nice foundation for how we'd want to proceed moving forward. After the icebreaker, the first thing I wanted to do before we got into actual character creation was this concept of determining how we all came together and pose it out to the players. I stole this idea, stole, I'm putting in air quotes, from Dungeon World and other Apocalypse Engine hacks where you begin the game by not really designing everything from a Game Master's perspective, but putting it out to the players and letting them decide what ex exactly that they want to do. It helps to, I think, give them ownership of the campaign and also set the stage for the different kinds of things that we'll be doing as players and make sure that lines up with what the players actually want to be doing and as well as, as you, the Dungeon Master. So because I didn't want to start flat, I had six different options that I put in front of them, and they, they ranged from things like, you were kidnapped by pirates, and now they've left you someplace with no nothing but the clothes on your back, to things like, 
you're all working on a job together and the job has gone south. Now, at this stage in the session zero, I was asking these questions, put, or I should say I was putting the questions out in front of them, or these scenarios, and saying, let's talk about these, see which ones we gravitate towards. But we weren't going in depth into it, and that's important. I wanted them to have the context for when they're making and you know, the decisions about their characters in terms of class and attributes and race and all that kind of stuff. But I didn't want them to have everything completely fleshed out so that before we even found out what type of characters we were rolling, everyone felt kind of pigeonholed. I'd say we were marginally successful at that. Overall, there was a, uh, a split decision, and one of the players uh, who could not be at the table all the time, she had a, a crying baby on her hands, was able to come in at the end and help to, to make the call in terms of, well, which one are we gonna do? And in, in the end, it actually wound up being a hybrid of the two examples I just gave you, that it's predominantly a job that went that they were all working on and went bad, but I kind of threw out, hey, we can include pirate elements in it because there were some folks who were like, yes, let's do pirate stuff. So in the end, it, it worked, I think, uh, to give an idea of, of what the, the baseline scenario was going to be that these characters should really plug into without going overboard in terms of all the details. Next up was rolling the characters, which was fine. The intent of this, rolling your character and, you know, 46 drop the lowest, put the stats in order is, I think, a creative one since everyone had already played before really new D&D. I was extremely flexible about this. I think all but maybe one character didn't move some attributes around. So I'd say we used it not as purely as that methodology has been presented, but as a starting place. I think one character left all their stats pretty much where they are. And now as days have passed, it sounds like they may swap something else out. After that, we just, we dug down into the, the characters a little bit and decided on race and class. And I think theme really came out. This is much more of a mercenary type group than a we're out to save the world type group, which is fine. That resulted in one player who was sort of leaning towards Paladin based on the numbers that they had gotten in the stats course correcting. And as of this recording, they are still course correcting. They haven't quite landed on precisely what it is they'll be, be doing, but I'm sure we'll work that out. And then we went into the part that I thought was going to be the most noodly and difficult, and it certainly was, but at the same time, I think it gave us the most interesting information, and that was aspects. Again, if you don't know what aspects are, they come from the fate system, and I'm using them here in a very beta testy kind of way, in a bunch of different ways. I like this concept of aspects in character design Admittedly, I have struggled with it mechanically in play. I, I think it's an advanced role, an advanced role-playing methodology that is not that easy. See how I exonerated myself from not having been able to use it that well by saying it's really hard. And I think for some people it is, and for others it probably isn't. Fate's a popular game, so there's probably lots of people who just heard that and were like, "Oh, you're you're out of your mind. They're they're totally easy once you understand them." Well, all that being said, I'm using them mostly as a way to define the characters in a robust way. So every character will have a high concept aspect, which is a simple sentence that describes who the character is. You know, it could be as simple as tiefling wizard, you know, or it could be something like uh, tiefling wizard apprentice of the Ravenous Wizards College. Kind of gives you an idea of who the character is, something like that. And then we, we dug into, a tr we, we kept a trouble 
aspect, which is something that causes this character to get in trouble on a regular basis. That's kind of standard fare in the fate system. And I think really important to get characters thinking of the downside of their character, because that's where the dramatic stuff is. It's if you really look at things, you'll notice that it's a you know, heroic stories are about a, a lot of failure. And that's tough in a role-playing game, but you need to have the downside as well as the upside. You've got Superman, and then you've got, he's a terrible example, but you have Superman, you have Kryptonite, right? So this is about the Kryptonite. And then there are the Bond aspects, which is kind of a hybridized version of uh, aspects from Fate and Bond statements from something like Dungeon World. Let's say that I wanted to design each character to have an as aspect, two aspects, that directly connected them to another player. This aspect exercise throughout session zero was very long, very involved. I think it was a lot of fun. As I was going through it, to be honest, I wasn't sure if everyone was enjoying it, but when we got to the end, everyone seemed to be very excited about where the characters landed. And there was a lot of, we were telling each other stories as we we're coming up with this. It didn't quite feel that way all the time, but by and large, by and large, the experience of talking through the aspects and talking through the character elements just was really cool and it was a way to get to know the, the players. So we started with this icebreaker where we're getting to know each other, but I think we were getting to know each other as all the exercises in Session Zero were going. Session Zero wound up being a lot longer than I anticipated. It was closing in on four hours. It took us like three and a half hours to do this and we got five players. We landed on a... Um, we have a human druid, uh, a tiefling wizard, a dwarven, we're not sure what yet, rogue, it was originally a paladin, then we shifted it to rogue, he rolled amazingly well for his stats, so he had lots of options that he could go after. I think we might be changing to a special version of a ranger, we'll see where that all goes. We have a half-orc fighter and we have a fallen Asimar shadow sorcerer, sorceress. So a very interesting eclectic group that is uh, a little grim dark, but that's a good thing. Now I just defined or described all of the characters in the most classic way. It includes class and race. But I don't think that's really well representative of what we accomplished in the session. We accomplished that for the most part, with the exception of one character where we've got to noodle through what is the appropriate class for the dwarf. But what we did accomplish, and how I could describe each of these characters, is not in terms of class and race, but more in terms of character. And what I mean by that is... If you were writing a book, if you were developing a, a script, you would have to define characters not by saying this is a half-orc fighter or this is a dwarven rogue. You would be giving them a name, and we did that with all the characters. All the characters have, have names. And you would be giving them descriptive statements that would let anybody understand who they are. And this is what the aspects I think accomplished. So if I can just hone in on the one character, the one where we haven't landed on the exacting class and why that's okay. The character's name is Constantine. He is a dwarf and in my setting, dwarves are nearly extinct. He works for the Thieves Guild. He is, as we described him, an enforcer 
who is being used by the guild to keep outside contractors in line. Now, he's only a first-level character, but it essentially means that this character, this dwarf, is a heavy, and his job is to, because he, he has a high strength, he's got some pretty good physical stats, and the thought was when we were designing him as a rogue, well, okay, he works for the Thief Guild, therefore he should be a rogue. He will. We also designed sort of goals for the character to say, this character wants to run his own crew, so he'll be ambitious within the Thieves Guild. Now, all of that is true, and it is going to change if we shift what type of class we assign to this character. We're struggling a little bit to land on what is the exact right class to pay off the concept. And that, I think, is a really interesting distinction and something we did a little bit differently here with some of the characters, where rather than just say, hey, I'm, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a sorcerer, I think it came out well, who is this character? Why are they doing the things that they're doing? What is it about them that we could describe to just about anybody, even someone who had no idea the the noodly distinction between a sorcerer versus a, uh, a wizard, for example? So in each case, we'll have the character's name. So we'll have Constantine. We know he's an enforcer for the Thieves Guild, and he's got the ambition of ultimately running his own crew. He's going to be the type of character based on the bonds that he has with everyone. Is He's soliciting their help in working this job so in a way he's kind of the the job uh foreman and this i think sets up a very interesting dynamic in terms of identifying character not just saying this is a rogue but in saying this is somebody that actually has a job they have a purpose and a function and we pay that off with the aspects once we were done with the aspects part, we were pretty much done. So we had covered a whole horde of information in terms of character creation because nestled within aspects was who is your character at a very high level? What is it that gets them into trouble? What are some things that they want? Some personal goals. So we made some goal aspects at the very, very end. But the, the big part of it was seeing how we could connect the characters. How this went in the session was me kind of bouncing around from player to player to player. I didn't want there to be a point where someone felt like they had the spotlight on them, or I should say they were put on the spot and forced to come up with something they just weren't ready to and just blurt out any old thing. So often I would talk through it with someone until they got to a point where they felt they could noodle with it in their own mind and then say, think on that and then jump to another player, ask them some questions about their character and try to work with them and get the players talking to each other about the ways these characters could interconnect and be related in a, in a dramatic way. So some examples of how the characters became related. Um, because I, I guess if you haven't done things like Dungeon World or Fate, it's not going to be readily apparent. But it could be a statement in the case of the Druid. We decided that the... Sorry, not the Druid, the Wizard. The Wizard saved the life of the fighter at one point, and the fighter felt like that was a debt he had to repay. And <clears throat> what that does is it gives us a, hopefully a dramatic thing because the, the nuances are important. For example, he feels that he, he saved his life and it's a debt he has to repay as opposed to that guy saved my life and I like him now. He's a good buddy of mine. There's this this sort of sense that the half-orc fighter is like, well, I'm not crazy that this guy saved my life. I want to repay that debt so I'm not indebted to them moving forward. And that can be some interesting dramatic fodder. What I intend to do with the aspects is I've designed a what I'll call an alpha version of a, of a variant experience point system. 
at the end of the session will talk through all their various defined aspects and say did you personify this and if you did you get an experience point and i have a whole chart for how many experience points you need to level up and there's a big bonus to experience if you ever resolve an aspect so for example going back to this half-orc fighter who believes that he owes a life debt to the tiefling wizard well if he ever pays that off if he ever feels like he has paid that debt back he'll get a big bonus in experience and along the way what i'll also be doing is giving the players aspects as a function of play so the mission that they're on will actually have an aspect which they'll all share and then once they finish the mission whether they're successful or not there's going to be a bonus to experience so what are the lessons learned what are the things that are important moving forward as I prepare for session one, where we actually play for the first time. I think a couple of things. The session zero is not about building your final character sheet. It can be. I think that's the way a lot of folks run it, and that's fine. For us in this particular instance, and for me in particular, I did not care about what the final character sheet was about. I know in the days that have followed, I've gotten various finalized character sheets to look at from players. I've gotten questions about, hey, um, you know, I don't strictly get this or can't have this equipment at first level, but could I? All that is fine. Uh, that to me is a little noodly, and that's something we can certainly handle via email. I don't need to have a special in-person live session to cover the building of a final character sheet, especially with players that have done this before and in some cases have done this uh, a lot of times before i don't need to micromanage how they build a character sheet if you have brand new players people who've never played before then i think almost nothing of how i've described going about this is what you should do it'll completely confuse the issue i think you should really then focus on rolling out the characters and picking class and building a functional simple character sheet that that they can work from but in my case I don't need that. Everyone knows what they're doing. So major lesson learned, session zero really needs to focus on the raw information that you need to get from your players so that you can really start to build the campaign. At least that's what I found I was doing. Because I had all this, all these ideas that came out as people were saying, well, I, I like this for my character's backstory and, and I don't want to go into all the hairy detail, but there was a lot of amazing creativity that was coming my way. And it was all wrapped up in how they first met each other, their connections to each other in terms of those bond aspects. The dilemma then for me, the challenge that, ha that I have been happily engaging with over these past few days is bridging that all together, stitching it in a logical way so that there's a story that leads us to the very first moment of the, of the campaign in session one because that's the next thing coming up. So the, the, the key point was get all the raw material you need to start to build this out. And already it has started to force things to take shape, right? The campaign world that I have has very few gods and I'm sort of soliciting gods from the players if that's important to them. I've already got a number of them. We're already defining things as they start to decide, well, I wanna come from this wizard's college. Well, now I have to anchor that in the world. I've got to make it about something. I've got to help define the Wizards College. How did you get here? Why are you here? Who would be coming with you? NPCs start to take shape. 
Now, this is why I say I went all out with my session zero and really wanted to do a bang up job building towards this very story centric campaign idea that has all these elements which are coming in part or in whole from the ideas that the players had. So I've taken now the, instead of having built out the Wizards College, the Thieves Guild, this mercenary company that the Half-Orc is a part of, I didn't build any of that or didn't even start thinking about any of that until I knew there was a player that was connected to it so that it's gonna be relevant and important to them. I think the generic lesson learned is that uh, everything takes a lot longer than you anticipated. I thought we'd really be done within two hours. I was almost like, gosh, do we have enough material? Maybe we'll be done in an hour and a half, 90 minutes. And, you know, three and a half hours later, there we were. We could have kept going for, for X amount of time talking about it. And in fact, of course we have. It's just something that happens offline, um, or I should say online, not live in the session, later on via email and messaging about different facets of the characters different ways I approach or my interpretation of certain rules as, as folks are trying to figure out what they can do with the character that they've designed. And if the KPI of a session zero is how excited the players are to for their new character and for session one, I'd say we've really hit it out of the park because everyone seems to be super excited about finalizing their character. It's been very robust in terms of the dialogue I've had across the board with each and every one of the players. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to what we're going to be able to do in session one. So that's it for the recap of session zero. Next up is going to be a planning session from me talking about how I'm prepping for the very first actual session. There's a lot of work I've already been engaged with. I'm going to talk about that, the method I've used to really convey information to the players which they seem to have liked. To me, it seemed a little bit overkill, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. We're going to talk about that in the, the next episode of Anatomy of a Campaign, and we're going to really get into the meat of how I'm thinking about it, how I'm designing it, so that we can have a really robust and exciting session one. This has been Anatomy of a Campaign. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing, throwing us a review, or sharing with your other gamer friends. Thanks for listening.